Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I have a real baseball question for you to start the podcast this week. So you better put on your Verduch cap, your Verducci hat. Better get serious. Sideline reporter Alex here. No, I don't think that uh, that Shohei Otani is in contention for any sort of MVP award voting because how many RBIs does he have? Not enough RBIs, clearly. Too many strikeouts, not enough not RBIs. Not nearly enough. Angels aren't going to make the postseason. I haven't seen him dink and dunk enough hits to left field. Shohei Otani doesn't done jack shit. No, uh, here's my question for you. Because I was thinking about this as I headed to a Padres-Dodgers game this past weekend. I was thinking about how many times I've been fortunate enough living in Southern California to see Tatis play in person. And how exciting that is. Machado as well. And obviously all of the Dodgers players. That's my, that's my hometown ballpark to go to. Yeah. Who's the player in Major League Baseball right now who you have not gotten the pleasure of seeing live who you want to see live the most? That's a good question because there are a lot of really young players who have come up, especially in the last couple of years, that I just haven't really gotten to see whether it's because of divisional uh, you know, breakdowns or just the fact that I'm on a different coast from said player. You know, I haven't seen Otani. Never? No. Wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, I guess Angels, when would you? <laughs> the Angels aren't really coming out to the East Coast to play the Yankees that often. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I think they did, they did once, like twice this year. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and they did like a couple years ago, I think. But between his injuries and COVID and like, like his career has kind of had a lot of gaps in it for my ability to, to see him. Right. Um, I will say, I think by and large, while like there are a lot of young hitters that I'd love to see, I would love to see Vlad Jr. Yeah, that's the guy. Uh, that's that's probably the guy for me. I'd love to see Acuna, who I don't think I've seen, although, and I would have seen him next weekend when the Braves play the Giants, but obviously we know how that ended. Um, I my hot take is that it's more fun to see pitchers in person because you know you're actually going to see them do something, right? Like, how bummed are you if you go to see Otani DH and he goes, you know, one for four with a with like a single and a strikeout? I mean, it's cool nonetheless. You get to sit there and say, I watched this man do something that no one has done in a century. Yeah. But like, are you satisfied walking out of there? I saw Gary Sanchez's Sanchez's debut where he went zero for four. Yeah, I was there. But too. I get, I get to, <laughs> I get to say I saw it. We were there together, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, we were in the bleachers. Um, in the bleachers. Yeah. You know, as I was thinking about this question, I realized that there are definitely like eight baseball teams I've never seen play in person, at least uh-huh. if not more. I there, I probably right. haven't seen most of the AL teams in person. Right. The Especially more that I like, think about it, you know, I've like definitely an AL never seen, Central team. I've definitely Why would you never see seen that? 
the Blue Jays play. Definitely. Because uh-huh. my answer is Vlad Guerrero Jr. as well. But yeah, I don't know when I would have seen the Blue Jays games. I, I can count the number of Yankees games I've been to on two hands, you know. Mm-hmm. And I lived in New York for four years because I was going to all the Mets games. So I've definitely seen all of the NL East teams, obviously. I've probably seen all of the NL West teams at this point. And over time, I've probably seen all of the NL Central teams. But, you know, the AL teams, I probably have not seen most of those guys. So there's a lot to choose from. Um, but Vlad Guerrero Jr. for me. Because yeah. I do think that you're right about the pitcher element of it. Like you'd want to see, because you get more exposure to it. So you get to see the best pitchers in baseball um, and you get to spend like 95% of the time that they're on the field watching them. Yeah. Uh, but there are some tools out there that you'd want to see from hitters in person. And Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s bat speed and, you know, power in tow of the bat speed is one of those tools. Yeah. I think part of it kind of depends on like where you're sitting too. I think that that impacts your level of appreciation to an extent. Uh, if you're sit- sitting in the bleachers watching a you know a pitcher mow down hitters, it's maybe a little less impressive than if you're sitting along the third base line, you know, and have a semblance of just how fucking hard he's throwing. Yeah. Right. Whereas, no matter where you see a Vlad Junior home run that shit's going to get the stadium rocking. You know, like you're going to be as pumped if you are, you know, 300 feet away as if you're sitting right behind home plate. Um, you know who I've never seen in person? Who? Joe Panic. Oh, we got to rectify that. Yeah, we got to get out to a Marlins game that he's starting in. <laughs> you know, he's on the Marlins. Are you aware of that? I in the back of my mind, I guess I was. A lot of people listening right now have no idea why I'm bringing up Joe Panic. Frankly, right. I can't really defend it anymore. It was a really bad joke that we did for the first two years of this podcast. If you mm-hmm. if you get it, shout out to you. You've been around right. for a while. If you we know, have a, you know. We have a great episode in store for everybody. We talked to all three of the co-hosts of Batting Around, which is another baseball podcast that Alex and I are big fans of. Jane Ost, Lauren Walker, and Stephen Hessen. They do a great job over there. We talked to them about I don't even know how to describe this, Alex. What like did we the, talk to them about? <laughs> the dumbest things that happened in 2021 baseball. Right. The dumbest, funniest, most online. Yeah, uh, we put five extremely online people in the same room and talked about the 2021 baseball season. So. A lot of stuff that we forgot um, and that I hope that as listeners, you will be delighted to remember, basically. Um, so we're going to go to that conversation with them. And then after that, we're going to do a little three up, three down. But before we get to all of that good stuff, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. All right, Alex. It's a crossover event. We're joined by Batting Around. The entire Batting Around podcast. Steven, we got a squad Jane, here Lauren. today. There's five <laughs> tiles in the Zoom screen. It's going to be a lot of um dancing around but how's everybody doing fantastic doing good yeah excited to finally be here we had you guys on a couple months ago on our show um and we have just been waiting to to pay it back to pay it forward here the circle is complete (laughs) (laughs) well we dragged our feet too long it's been too long we're um we're delighted to be joined by all of you uh we've crafted a segment that is a little bit hard to describe but we hope once we start bringing things up to the listeners they will understand the assignment i want to talk to all of you about the dumbest things that happened in the 2021 baseball season (laughs) and that's either like dumbest on the field off the field either most hilariously online things, things that we forgot about that just kind of 
we memory hold. I want to talk about the dumbest things that happened in the 2021 baseball season. So how we're going to do this is all three of you are going to nominate something. We'll discuss it quickly. And then Alex and I will nominate something together. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds Absolutely. great. Sounds great. Uh, okay. Who wants to go first? Steven, do you want to go first? Oh, shit. Put me on the spot. Yeah, no all right. pressure. Um, yeah. I want to talk about the the Javi Baez Will Craig play. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was my number one as well. And like uh when I was when I was thinking about this ahead of time, I was like, all right, don't do too many Mets things, but even this is like Mets adjacent <laughs> because Baez ended up going to the Mets later. Okay. This is a good point because Alex and I were going over our list together before all the three of you hopped on and uh there's a decent amount of Mets things. I'm just yes. going to say, maybe we should just do all of those up top. But Stephen, do you want to uh, wax poetic about the Javi Baez play? We, we did like a whole episode on it, right? Like, it's... <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. It's really the kind of thing that you've got to see. Like, the... I, I remember the um, the radio... The Pirates radio call was absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> but the just Javi Baez grounds out and tricks Will Craig into chasing him back to first to tag him when he could have just stepped on first base. The very rare rundown between home and first. Yeah, <laughs> I think and unprecedented, then, maybe. Yeah, yeah, the runner on third scored, and then. Javi Baez had to run back to first base. And then they threw and like threw it into the right yeah. field and he then he took second. second. Yeah. He ended up and scoring eventually. <laughs> MLB has done like a full heel turn on this too, by the way. They play this during commercial breaks on MLB TV as like a highlight play. I feel they so, really? I feel so, so brutal bad because oh Will God. Craig, like it ended his major yeah. league career effectively, went overseas to play baseball, talked He's about. playing in Korea. Yeah. And oh, man, poor dude. Uh, they describe the, the it as Javi Baez's magical base running play on MLB mm-hmm. TV, which is like, it's a Will gives him a little bit too much credit. Yeah, yeah. Will Craig, like, you know, everybody, you know, just has a fucking brain fart moment at their job, you know, or something, yeah. or in their lives. And I feel I do feel really bad for that guy because it was like one of the most baffling plays in the world. But like anybody can, you know, just fuck up for one second or a couple seconds you don't get to edit it out when it's live in a baseball game like if you heard one episode of tipping pitches before it was edited this would be just a series of will craig plays (laughs) (laughs) and he like you know he tried to handle it well and uh in the in you know with the with the press Mm -hmm. um and but you could just tell that it weighed so heavy on him even before he you know went um and started playing in korea it was just it was so brutal yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was just like, I feel bad for the guy, but it was just one of the dumbest things that's mm-hmm. happened like this yeah. season, for sure. I think there's something very special about it, especially in the moment where you you can kind of watch it and realize, uh, I, I think most seasons of baseball, I think this is something I'm cribbing from uh, an Effectively Wild episode. Um, I think you could argue that like every season of baseball has one highlight that stands the test of time. And barring some incredible playoff heroics, I think you could kind of watch that play in the moment and feel it being the 2021 definitive memory for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, there was it was a really remarkable moment when it's one of the only times I can recall this season where 
every single baseball fan, all of baseball Twitter was exactly tuned in to it, right? Where you open up your feed and it's just hundreds of tweets about the same play (laughs) going far beyond the sport, you know, getting notifications about it on your phone. It was, it was stunning, really. I was like, wow, I'm a part of history right now watching this. (laughs) The beauty of it, though, is like, like, why would Javi even try that? He's never tried it before. He hasn't tried it since. It's just in that moment, he's just decided, and this is something I talked about last week as an as an up in three up, three down, just Javi's baseball IQ, but willing to do something that other willingness to do something that other people would not try. Like he does he surprises fans and he surprises mm-hmm. other players. And that's what happened to Will Craig right there. He was a victim of Javi Baez's weirdness, which is why it makes it perfect for this segment, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh okay. Lauren, do you want to go? I'll take a stab at one. Yeah, it's one of my favorite. Uh, this is one where like the event itself was less uh, dumb rather than the discourse around it was kind of dumb and weird. The Madison Bumgarner no hitter. Ooh, mm. okay. one of my yeah. favorites uh, in terms. So you're taking of just, a stand by calling it a no hitter, basically. I am. I am. <laughs> well, especially after last night, where we we have now have the the the, the um, Brewers no hitter, which is, I think, if you count eight innings from Corbin Burns and one inning from the best reliever in baseball as a no hitter. I think you also the Bumgarner is close enough that you have to consider that one too. Yeah, I I don't think combined no hitters are very cool or no, really I think exciting. They suck. I hate them. Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't like any of that sort of attention. Like when I woke up this morning, I had like you know the, the email from um, MLB.com that was like, oh, the latest no hitter, and I was like, what? What the fuck did I miss? Like, oh no, I missed nothing. I missed nothing at all. No, you missed a, a no- good outing from yeah, you missed a good outing. Oh, another another good outing from a Cy Young uh, candidate. Like, okay, yeah. Did anybody a no hitter is a positive event for the pitcher throwing it, but a combined no hitter is a negative event for the, for the team, team. on That's the it. other end of yeah. it. Yeah. And it was and it was Cleveland's third time this year. <laughs> <getting> <laughs> that. Maybe Did that's anybody here watch thing. the Madison Bumgarner no hitter? Yeah, I watched the last inning. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. watch it at all, so I only experienced it via discourse, which is the best and worst way to experience baseball these days. It was really interesting because it was like a very existential question about these, like this new baseball that we're kind of being confronted with, right? We have these uh, shortened double headers and runners on second and like all of baseball fandom is trying to grapple with like how real it actually feels in real time. We're all kind of processing our emotions, which I can, I can really appreciate as someone who does that on a weekly basis live uh, uh, quite poorly. Uh, live. Usually. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it feels like the, the uh, uh, grappling with that is one of the hardest things for me, like conceptually, because like he can't hand the ball off to someone else. The game's over. There, no hits were allowed. Unlike the combined no hitter situation where like, yeah, someone else picked up the ball after it. it I don't know. It, but also, like, in your head, you still know that so many no-hitters get broken up after the seventh, so you're still not really sure. Like, he did do his part, but <laughs> we'll never be able to answer whether he would have taken it through the eighth and ninth. And I also think the fact that it happened to Bumgarner, which is a guy that, like, old-school baseball heads fucking ride so hard for because mm-hmm. he's just a, a grit-and-grind warrior. Um, the fact that it happened to him and he was a victim of the rule made it an even more charged discourse, I felt like, afterwards. Um, you had, like national baseball writers feeling the need to weigh in on whether it was a no-hitter, which just makes it like a completely different level of stakes, I feel like. And I think also the fact that it was the Diamondbacks, like a, a team with truly no other highlights this season to talk about positively. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, like the worst, arguably the worst team in baseball for most of the season. 
the fans have nothing else. I think it's it's cruel to take this from them. <laughs> I re- I respect that. If we stretch this back like three years, I feel like one of the weirdest things that's happened is Madison Bumgarner even signing with the Diamondbacks to mm-hmm. begin with. Like, why is he on that team? I just he, he just... wanted to be closer to his horses. Yeah. <laughs> well, true. That's literally yeah. True. He took a discount. Girl. Yeah. He is a. Horse He's been girl. there for three years. Yeah. He was hurt for large parts of last year or and, two years ago. And bad for the rest of it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wait, did he he signed with them before 2019? I thought it was before 2020. Might have been before 2020. I, I'm, I'm, I think it was before 2020. It was a yeah. five-year contract. I remember that. Either much. way, I'm, I think he missed most of his last year with the Giants because yeah. he fell off of a, of a dirt bike, right? That, I, no, I that was like yeah. 2016. Really? 20, yeah. Yeah. The 2017. Yeah. Wow. That My was brain. A while five, back, huh? five baseball fans try to put together a timeline <laughs> of just Madison Bumgarner's <laughs> career. <laughs> Electric radio. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on then. Jane, you're up. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it off the field, um, and I'm gonna go with uh, all of the uh, controversy around the all-star game moving from Atlanta to nice. uh, Denver. Oh, yeah. Um, specifically, <laughs> the $100 million lawsuit by the Jobs Creators, <laughs> the Job Creators Network, uh, which is like a, a Mercer Foundation dark money group and how they claimed $100 million was lost by the all-star game not being there. And then Republicans uh, <laughs> turning on Major League Baseball's antitrust uh, exemption. <laughs> That was fucking awesome. That yeah. was so funny. This is really special stuff. This was on our list as well. Alex, you were going to nominate it. Yeah. Well, it was... I love how long they managed to... Like, how much they managed to squeeze out of it. Like, we celebrated they the talked last about it chapter for like of this months. on the podcast for literally like eight different times. It was like a <laughs> weekly basis where someone else was having a having a meltdown about it. And I'm like, I've, I mean, I guess, guys, this could be the hill you want to die on. <laughs> yeah. I suppose Pitching baseball about the is woke MLB game. is so yeah. funny. <laughs> it is I one of the rules. funnier meltdowns they've had this year. Yeah. No, it's that also, was that was huge. It disarmed everybody involved because it made Republicans turn against the woke MLB and the antitrust exemption, which obviously is hilarious. It made MLB kind of admit that they don't make a hundred million dollars from the all-star game. <laughs> <laughs> All while being over this like weirdly polit like this very political thing in voting rights, which MLB has no interest in actually weighing in on either no. side. They no, were they just mostly concerned about the optics of it. So it really mm-hmm. was like there was no winners involved except for the people watching everybody throw a tantrum. <laughs> it you know the winners we were won. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, us for watching it and uh anybody who watched the home run derby in Colorado. Yeah, that's, okay, well, that's hilarious. I can't pass up that segue. Uh, Alex and I are going to go next. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up was exactly that home run derby, but specifically that Pete Alonso maimed a child during it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I yeah. forgot now. Oh. Uh, and he just kept and he bopping just along. Like the Lincoln Park was still running in his head, you know, the whole time that this kid like tore his ACL or whatever. God, that was awesome. Um. Alonzo hit a laser line drive because it's yeah. going 120 off the bat in the home run derby for Pete Alonzo and one of the kids in the outfield trying to field it for a while we weren't sure if the ball like hit him or if it was like a very serious health situation I think I think you're right Jane that it actually was the kid tore their ACL it was something like that yeah while chasing after the ball or trying to get out of the way of the ball or something that and uh, the camera did not want to show 
a child with a critical injury on the field during a very fun baseball event. So instead, the camera just lingered on Pete Alonso as he danced along. And uh, multiple people on the ground were reporting that a child was being carried off the field. Jesus Christ. <laughs> give, give this kid, like, his 15 seconds of fame, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, like... He's on a baseball field. He just had a critical injury. Like, treat it just like, uh, you know, a, a player tripped over first base, and you really hope they'll be okay. Yeah, and they this still kid, this kid's an icon now, and they still get their major league pay while they're on the IL. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the Dodgers bat girl who like decked the dude running on the field got way more oh, shine yeah. than this. And oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that kid should get something like season tickets or something or. Maybe just like an MLB, bat. an MLB TV account that doesn't have blackout restrictions. Just anything. <laughs> oh, that's like getting the golden ticket from the chocolate bar. They've got to have that, right? There's they do. Like no, they, a, do. They, do. they do have that. Mm-hmm. Media members and team employees Ugh. get it. Tight. Yeah. Hmm. Real media members, not, <laughs> not us. Yeah. No, not media members who come on here and ask for Rob Manfred's resignation every 30 minutes. Right. And and have an entire segment around the dumbest stuff that happened in the sport this year. Like, yeah. maybe we're not the target demo. Um, okay, Pete Alonso uh, tearing a child's ACL. That was our choice. Uh, Steven, that kicks it back to you. All right. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the White Sox loving tribute to departed player Eloy oh. Jimenez. Oh, yes. <laughs> so Carrying his one. jersey out it's... onto the field and the dugout and stuff like he was so dead. Good. God, that rock. Yeah. Yeah, that was so good. That's 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 a very that's a very online one. Especially because specifically, like, you know, we have you know, not to bring it down too much, but we have all these examples in the last couple of years of like actual players dying and these touching tributes uh like in miami or anaheim and then like the the white Sox just being like you know he'll he's with us in spirit and it's like yeah he's not he's not fucking dead with though. us tonight and always <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he has since risen it's right it's truly miraculous <laughs> yeah right. well that's actually one of my favorite parts about this one specifically is like it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving because i saw a bunch of jokes especially on met's twitter where it was like elo jimenez died halfway through the season and he still has more home runs than 95 percent of met's players (laughs) 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 yeah that's a that's a delightfully online Mm -hmm. one i love that Mm -hmm. one um okay lauren you're up i'll kick it i'll kick it back to acl injuries for a minute um tight the 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 uh the dumb part wasn't the injury. It was Acuna going down on the on that ball at the wall and being out for the season. That part's not funny or dumb. That's just a tragedy. What was funny and dumb was the Marlins posting the highlight of the inside the park home run <laughs> that came off that play to Twitter. <laughs> of of the Jazz Chisholm inside the park home run. Yeah. And they posted like the highlight reel of it and then had to pull it down like 45 minutes later because because you see Acuna go down in the video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Really I, tough. I missed tough that entirely. Tough round for social media managers here. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, you're kind of between a rock and a hard place there, right? Because Jazz Chisholm inside the park home run. Like, no, super no. Cool. They were totally in the wrong. I don't think they were in between anything. They just made a mistake. <laughs> You got to promote your young guys, but yeah, you know, at what cost? Yeah, Marlins social media uh, is is kind of a is a pretty tough job. Uh, the last couple of years, you know, we know somebody who who was uh, doing that for for a few years, and like 
I don't know. Nobody gets yelled at more than Marlon's social media. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> like you, you kind of can't win doing that job. Yeah. Every single tweet, there's like 20 replies. Well, did you win the game? Yeah. Yeah. They Which take the it answer from, is usually no. They take it from like other fan bases too. I feel like Marlon, the mm-hmm. Marlins are the organization that all the other fan bases feel comfortable like punching down at which yeah. maybe not everybody is really always justified in that atlanta ones constantly are in the at marlins mentions if oh you it's ever definitely look at an least thing yeah, yeah it's definitely like the combined force of like mets twitter yeah. phillies twitter braves twitter nats twitter isn't really as involved they're older and, and more of like a facebook group but yeah <laughs> it's grim it's hard out there on the east uh that's a that's a very good one um jane you're up uh all right i got a couple of them here um I'm going to go with all of the gambling and crypto partnerships that uh. Major League Baseball has done this year, as well as the, um, I guess I can fold in also the leaked meeting that they had with Barstool, because uh, that's all wrapped up in the gambling stuff, too. Um, you know, we've talked about it a ton on our show. I know you guys have talked about it on your show, too, how just kind of distasteful and uh, bad <laughs> all of this stuff is. But got it really ramped up this year between like the Bally stuff, you know, all these commercials, um, really trying to, you know, throw a lot of like in-game betting on baseball. Uh, Incredibly distasteful, awful stuff. Not as funny as the previous things we've been talking about, except maybe when um, they really got pilloried for uh, the barstool stuff. That was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. That was Um, a fun victory lap for everybody. Like, God, this was a, this was a real, uh, low moment <laughs> for Major League Baseball this season. The one that I think of that is actually weird and pretty funny is when they were like, we're going to have a big announcement that Rob Manfred is going to make at in 12 hours. And oh. then the announcement was like a new coin, crypto coin bullshit partnership yeah. that MLB <laughs> was doing. Our umpires are going to be wearing uh, crypto exchange FTX logos. Patches. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Just yeah. terrible. The, the whole like uh, NBA Top Shot thing like exploded at the beginning of the year right and then yeah. movie was like we gotta get in on this and then it imploded and they were just kind of like well i guess we'll just we'll just keep moving we'll moving the trend moving the line forward yeah, yeah we'll <laughs> ride it out no yeah problem. we'll keep pushing it on our players why not yeah <laughs> their, their relationship to it was like the simpsons gift where he walks in and walks right back out of the bar yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh okay All right. well barstool features in our next one alex do you want to do the honors uh, sure. Yeah, and just general financial, uh, poor practices. I don't know. Uh, you will all recall the the GameStop saga of, of January <laughs> yep. of this year, and the bizarre way in which new Mets owner Steve Cohen was like heavily invested in that had pumped three quarters <laughs> of a billion dollars. <laughs> into one of those hedge funds (laughs) that was getting squeezed. Um, Really just like, I mean, what was incredible about it to me was that like Mets fans are kind of coming off this high of a new ownership in town. And, you know, he's uh, also really terminally online. And a lot of people are still kind of figuring out how to feel about him. But at least there's there's a new regime in town and uh, and then this all comes to light. Steve and Cohen, we're like, wow. I don't know if anybody watches that show. Billions, like he feels like mm-hmm. he'd be like a minor character for like um, four episodes of Billions. He's just gets, he's like, who acts is based on. Yeah, right, right, right. But like the kind of controversies and stuff he gets involved in. Yeah, 
uh, <laughs> like especially this season, are all this all seem like just like oh yeah, this is the kind of guy that Axe is using to like you know catch flack from uh, from like you know distract from like other things that Axe Capital is doing and like you know make yeah. like <laughs> take the hit for all these things. Like yeah, just like getting squeezed on GameStop is yeah. so funny. That and is then, so fucking mm-hmm. funny. And then getting into a flame war with noted yeah. shit stain Dave Portnoy. And yes. <laughs> being actually harassed off Twitter. Like, that yep. was a bizarre couple of weeks. Yeah, when he was tweeting at Dave Portnoy, insisting that he just wanted to make his money on the Robinhood app like every common person. And <laughs> Dave Portnoy was kind of dunking on him, being like, you're worth $14 billion. Um <laughs> It's a real like let them fight moment, you know. Yeah, like, I'm yeah, just kind of like, gonna back just away and see how whoever happens out. to die. Oh no, so so <laughs> sad. Um, yeah, that was. I it was really weird to experience that as a Mets fan because, like, with how uh, broken Mets fans were by the Wilpons not having any money allegedly, and then for Steve Cohen to lose basically what the Wilpons net worth was in one day on GameStop <laughs> stock. <laughs> we were all like, "Oh no, we have another broke owner." Uh, it yeah, turns out. I th- it turns out he's not broke. I think it was good for Mets fans to 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 re- know that uh, while the Will Ponds are gone, the Bernie Madoffs of the world will always be there, <laughs> and, and Mets ownership will always be right on the verge. Yeah, you're never safe. In this case, the Bernie Madoff that's going to take all of the money away from our owners, the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. <laughs> but it's <laughs> <laughs> a story for a different day. Uh, okay, Stephen, you're up. All right, um, I have to go with. So this didn't originate this year, but the the growth and spread of the Nick Castellanos meme has been very fun um, Mm -hmm. to the point where his wife weighed in saying that on Twitter complaining about it, to which she received hundreds of tweets (laughs) in the format of the meme. So uh, it's just been fantastic. Uh, He. He hit a home run yesterday on 9-11 and everybody freaked out and that was fantastic. Um, a is a man who, who knows when uh, knows how to rise to the occasion. Well, there yeah. was the time when they were, they were doing like the tribute to that fallen soldier and he hit a home run during <laughs> that as well. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I, legend think, grows. I think that's what led it. That, I think that was the catalyzing event just from turning it into, oh, he's in, he hits the interrupting home run and that's a ha-ha joke to, oh, a Nick Castellanos home run is like a crow landing on your shoulder or like, <laughs> like breaking a mirror. It's just right. a, it's an, it's an omen. It's a grim portent. You don't want to, you don't want to flip the Castellanos home run over on the tarot deck. <laughs> <laughs> this is, wasn't it, was it, was it this year too, that he handed the microphone to the fan yes. in the in the post game, oh just, yeah, and just let the fam uh, the fan go off on on Rob Manfred. I never yes. heard any follow up on that, but I can't imagine that he uh, didn't get in a little bit of trouble for that. I totally forgot about that, but that was a lot of fun when it happened. Yeah. Right after that, he wore a t shirt while walking into the tunnel of the next game. I don't know if it's the next game or if it was like a future game. He wore a t shirt that said "Love everybody but Rob Manfred." <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, wait. Where do I get no. that? No, yeah. Bobby. Yeah, really. He was wearing a shirt that said "Love Everybody," and I photoshopped. Oh, really? Bob Manfred oh, onto oh, that. Okay. Uh, wow. This is sorry. how this is sorry. how I'm democracies sorry, fall. Uh, <laughs> the fake information spreads. 
Mm-hmm. Between Alex, podcast uh, co-hosts. That's going to need to be the next uh, Tipping Pitches shirt. Yeah, how have we not think, capitalized uh, on that yet? That's probably a, that's a good point. Yeah, The wheels are turning in my head right now. Mm-hmm. now we that, get a uh, cut. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, our, it's our batting around collab. The yeah. wheels in my head are turning. And um, I think that the Joey Votto uh, thing with like that little girl who cried when he got ejected... Oh. I was starting to think that that was all set up just to get the heat off of it was an op off of Nick. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think the Reds did that to like be like, all right, sorry, Manfred. Here, let's get some like really good. I was uh, at that game. I love that take. I was at that. That was in San Diego. I was at the game that Joey Votto got ejected in the first inning. And then the uh, the Reds manager came out to argue and got ejected in the next inning. And while the Reds manager was like getting their time worth, you know, their ejections worth, mm-hmm. just yelling at the umpire indiscriminately, yeah. uh, Tatis was just like laying down in shallow <laughs> left field. Like <laughs> he was literally just like lounging as if he was at the beach. It was kind of phenomenal. Um, that, that rules. Okay, uh, Lauren, you're up. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me first say it's weird that we've gone two full rounds now and no one's mentioned Tony LaRusa. That was yeah. my next one, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to take the one I think you're... I'm going to take one that's not really totally his fault, but it's, it's still a, a stupid, weird thing. Uh, the White Sox renamed uh, part of the concourse yeah. called Loretta's oh, Lounge after yeah. um, a, a six-year concession worker, um, Loretta um, Mycel. I'm hoping you're pronouncing your last name right. Uh, that was they dedicated it during the World Series in 2005. Uh, they renamed it LaRusse's Lounge, which is just like the perfect kind of like petty, stupid ownership decision that like is perfectly emblematic of like how these guys think and operate. Yeah. And there's no way that Tony LaRusse cares about that. No, not at all. It's purely like a marketing thing. It's got to be. I know. I'm not even sure he was aware that that sort of thing happened or that I'm not even sure he's aware. I'm not even sure he's aware he's the manager of the 2021 White Sox all the time. Mm -hmm. He's not aware of his uh, driver's license status of really much of anything at all. The rules that have Mm -hmm. changed since 1985. He doesn't know those. Yeah, that was that was actually I remember being madder about that than I was about a lot of things that are, you know, objectively worse for the world. But because they felt the need to go so far out of their way to mm-hmm. do that was just such like a it's just such an indication that ownership doesn't fear fans in any way shape or form no, like no. they don't fear fans or concession workers or anything like that it really it really pissed me off a lot and very little appreciation for what they do mm-hmm. yes exactly yeah the fact that they just trashed the old sign right like i think her family came and was like well can we at least have the sign and they were like well, we threw it away, but we could make you another one if you want. It's like, Jesus Christ, read the room. Yeah, incredibly bleak stuff. Um, okay, Jane, do you want to keep the Tony La Russa train uh, rolling through? You no, know, no, I, I think, I think, like, all I was going to say really is, like, Tony La Russa having a job is a travesty. Um, he's not a good manager. He doesn't stick up for his players. That whole thing with the Twins was, was really pathetic. But um, I think instead, I'm going to go with um, everything that, uh, MLB ownership group has proposed to the Players Association, which will directly lead to a strike next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this like more recent thing about universal free agency at twenty nine and a half is ridiculous. Um, suggesting like, well, we'll do a f- we'll do a salary floor, but uh, then we're gonna bring down the luxury cap. Like, <laughs> just mm-hmm. everything has been such a joke. Like, and they're just like we're just on a on a runaway train to a player strike next year. Yeah, and it's it has completely real, the ownership's fault. 
it has real like fucked around comma found out energy yeah you know mm-hmm, totally. like this is their lay in the groundwork what what gets you that is like they're so clearly articulating that they are aware of the problems exactly and aren't willing to actually do anything meaningful about them mm-hmm. no nobody who's listening to this podcast will be a stranger to any of those things but yes yeah. they they made for a lot of uh a lot of discourse online um okay alex should we go i yeah. would like to nominate when Billy Ripken went on MLB Network and debunked radar guns. Oh, God. <laughs> a great one. Such a great one. God, that was awesome. And I think it has as much to do with the approach at home plate than it does the velocity. Yeah. So I'd like to take a look at some of the crusty guys that we knew. Okay. And we'll take a look at this. And I got six guys that I want to put up from yesteryear compared to six guys that are throwing some absolute gas now. We can we can get that thing cranked up a little bit sooner. And I want you to look at this. So old guys on the left, there's Pedro in the All-Star game and DeGrom. Freeze that for me. So what we're trying to do, mm. and, and my girl back in edit, Alex, she's got no agenda here. Okay. I told her to match it up when the release point. She's not from Boston or New York. No, she's okay. got no agenda here. She's doing what she's doing her video thing. And we're you decide. You what decide. Wow. I'm just saying it looks like these balls are going the same speed. I'm just saying you decide for yourselves. I'm just presenting the evidence unbiased here. <laughs> I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking <laughs> questions. Phenomenal. That was so good. Uh, Ron Darling like had absolutely no idea what to what to do with that. Yeah, Just standing because standing there next to him, kind of befuddled. Like it's like literally your job not to know sell your co-host on live television. But <laughs> right, he was like, I, "This doesn't really prove anything." Yeah. I, I He's like, know. "Wow, wow, yeah, wow, <laughs> wow." Much to think about here. Much to think about. Uh, okay, we probably have time for one more round. If you want to uh, throw out like speed round, anything that's left on your list, or if there's yeah. one that's still you'd like to get out there and discuss, uh, open to that. So, Stephen, we'll kick it back to you. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with the fucking hats. Um, all of them, <laughs> every single yeah. one. Bad the, year for hats. The shitty local emoji hats. The upside down logo hats. The cum hats, like they're all (laughs) so they're all so remarkably bad to the point where it has to be a bit like they're they're making shitty hats on purpose. Right. I don't understand because like the that they're too cheap to hire actual designers is like kind of makes sense and like it tracks, but they're so bad that I don't even believe that. Like I, I, it's just, they're so fucking ugly, man. And every time they announce them, like the entire internet just fucking roasts them for hours. And it's beautiful. I love that community coming together, but like, God, those fucking hats are ugly. The all-star hats. We, we had, a like a, like a month ago or so we had on um, a couple people who are, you know, more like in the kind of hat community to talk about the, the rationale behind some of these designs. And I mean, they, even as hat collectors kind of universally panned the, the new era hats, because, you know, once again, it's the, it's the great, uh, it, it brings us all together. But what was really interesting to me was something that one of them brought up, which is that, you know, they're all, these independent hat makers that are creating much cooler hats than New Era oh, yeah. are collaborating with New Era. And ostensibly, New Era could very easily snatch those designs up. I mean, it wouldn't be the most ethical thing, but it happens all over the 
hat community as it is. And it would not surprise me if this massive uh, company was just like, oh, that's a really cool design. We're going to steal it. Like they could do it and probably get away with it. And they'd I, rather just. I'm always so confounded by MLB's approach to apparel in general. You know, like we had a listener write in a couple of weeks ago and say that you used to be able to customize jerseys and put like whatever name yeah. on the back of jerseys. And now you can't do that anymore. You can only do it with stitched jerseys and stuff like that. It's just like, it feels like they're leaving money on the table because it's such small potatoes compared to like TV revenue or licensing deals or ballpark sponsorships or whatever the hell or betting. But like, it wouldn't be that hard for MLB to make like quality designs that people really liked and then like promote them via having players wear them on like special uniform days. And that was one of the things that a couple of the, or when we did that hat episode, Alex, I think that it was Benjamin Christensen who was saying um, like if an MLB team wore a hat or maybe I, I forget who actually said it, but if an MLB team wore a cool hat, it would immediately make that hat insanely popular in the hat market just because of the exposure of baseball like that day it would just sell out everywhere Mm -hmm. because the exposure of a cool team wearing a cool hat would do so much for the market and mlb is just like no we're just going to completely miss that we're just going to completely whiff and make these bizarre emoji hats that no one really understands why we put a palm tree on the oakland hat (laughs) <laughs> like doesn't make Man, any some sense. of those well no because the palm tree was for california the state and right like i like it it all seemed for very procedural like it's a robot trying to mimic oh my god it probably is just a robot isn't it because <laughs> you don't have to pay a, a AI robot. generated hats mm-hmm. yeah the AI philly philadelphia hats. one when it says philly oh. Yeah, Philadelphia, and then it was Phillies. I was like, dude, come on, we got it. <laughs> Just one person needs to spot check this, please, before we tweet it. Um, yes, the hats that was on our list as well. Uh, Lauren, what else you got in the uh, in the chamber? Uh, I, I, um, I try to think of the 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 umpire uh, pine tar checks have created a couple good instances of like pitcher freakouts. I think by far my favorite was Scherzer um, asking the umpire to check um, Harper's hair for pine tar. That oh, was yeah. very funny. Yeah. That was that the only one that was like legitimately funny. funny. Yeah. yeah. I loved uh Sergio Romo disrobing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taking, he, like, mm-hmm. pulling he his pants all the way that. down. Yeah. Yeah. He like apologized for that. He was like, I can't believe I did that. That was a huge <laughs> overreaction. Like, yeah, dude, it no, kind of was. It I love yeah. I love Sergio Romo. But yeah. yeah. I kind of like it because they were appealing to not just baseball Twitter, but horny baseball Twitter as yes. well. Right. Yeah. Like there's a <laughs> yeah. they knew their audience. Mm-hmm. For sure. Lance Lynn just I'm, got ejected like three weeks ago for the, one of these, the throwing his belt onto the field. So it's still right. going, has a long tail. Um, but yeah, they've, they've created some some pretty wonderful moments. It has been fun. Uh, there was like one or two times I saw where they would like go to check like a position player who had just come off the mound and just like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? I just gave up eight runs. Like, it's not that serious. Please don't suspend me for this. <laughs> I'm really um, glad you said that, Lo Lauren, because that was I was deciding between that and my mind. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Jane, your final nomination. Yeah, I, I have to do a Mets one. We talk about the Mets so much on our podcast, um, and like the obvious one, and it's pretty recent, is you know everyone getting mad about the thumbs down gesture. Well, you know, it's been <laughs> talked about to death. It was very funny. It was very stupid. But I'm gonna go a little deeper on something I think is way funnier. And that was um, Pete Alonso making up a coach. 
back in like after like in like May when they're I, just even like, I yes. forgot about this. Yeah, and they're just like, what? And, you know, he's in a he's in the post game, and they're like, oh yeah, Pete, like uh, you know what what happened? Well, you know, like what's turning the team around? And he's like, oh yeah, it's uh, Donnie, our coach, uh, our new coach Donnie. He's a, he's an approach guy. Uh, he comes in and gets us all fired up and then like other players went along with it just talking about this made-up coach named donnie which like that that was so awesome that was so (laughs) fucking funny uh just having this like bit that you fuck with the media with even though like it's very clear it's fake um also kind of like in in that vein too i also kind of want to bring up um the great uh stuff that brandon belt did this weekend Oh, that where was he had the yeah. <laughs> where he had the, the the C the C made of crudely made of tape on his uh on his jersey when they were playing against the Cubs and be like yeah I'm the captain and then in the interview like completely staying in character talking about how he's a he's a he's a leader and he's an alpha and stuff like very much the same energy that um, Alonzo and all those Mets guys had when they were talking about their fake coach uh, Donnie the like self aware humor about yes. like just baseballisms and like the innate masculinity of like the locker room and clubhouse when I feel like when players make jokes about that it's it's not really pandering to baseball twitter but it is kind of pandering to baseball twitter cuz you know we're going to sure. eat that shit up but rightfully oh, so yeah. it's a very it's a very positive relationship there Alex what should we close with uh that's a good question we ran through all of uh I think most of the ones on on my list. I I'll bring one up real quick, and then if you wanna if you wanna round us out, you can do that. I just want to um, as a as kind of a coda to the substance check substance checks. Um, I have not been able to forget Garrett Cole's press conference, yeah. where oh, he gave his non denial uh, about a- asked a very direct yes or no question about using spider tack and just 60 seconds of him sweating in his chair and squirming. And I just watched it again the other day and it holds up, man. It's, it's better than ever, ever. It ages well. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And um, it's so uncomfortable. I love it. It's uh, painful to watch. Like it was legitimately, (laughs) I was not sure if the video froze. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and just trying to use that uh, media training, you know, uh, athlete talk, and just completely like it not hitting the mark at all. It yeah. not hitting the mark at all. Them not accepting that, like, because like you know, they're all these players are taught to talk like that, and there's kind of this tacit agreement with the media. It's just like, okay, well, there's our quote that we got, but like, <laughs> and and they're supposed to just kind of move on yeah. once they get that that sort of answer. But it just didn't cut it then, yeah. and yeah. like, and it just, and it's just like, well, I hit the end of the flow chart. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to do next. <laughs> and what what kills me about it is it's still a better answer than yes or no would have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the beautiful part of it is like the fact that it was over Zoom really made it 
even more pronounced that like I wasn't sure if what I was watching was like real or doctored or like mm-hmm. whatever because it's just like well the zoom screen could have frozen or like he could have pretended like it was a lag or can you imagine if he was like wait sorry you froze I didn't hear you <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's, he's like, he, like sitting there like fill in his da- answer in da- his head I, go history his base. <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I'm going to play that clip so all the listeners can remember how how phenomenal it is. Um, the last one that I want to nominate here is a real small one, which is why I saved it for the end. But it was something that Alex noticed because he uses the Tipping Pitches Instagram account, which we don't post to, but to just follow other baseball players to see if they're posting any weird or cringy or maybe offensive shit. And um, for unexplained reasons, we haven't gotten a follow-up to this. We haven't gotten any closure here. Very early in the season, Leonis Martin posted an Instagram story, which was just a black screen with white text over top of it. And it just said, Alcatraz is real. <laughs> and then nothing That's else. That's it. No That's follow up. <laughs> he, he watched The Rock at some point and then he was that he thought that that was just made up Alcatraz you know? is real. Yeah, he's That's like, it. holy shit, like, I didn't know that was a real place. It's like the kind of thing that you see it and you're like, I didn't know that there was a controversy over the re- whether or not <laughs> I missed was real or the fake. first part of this story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe he's revisiting the Clint Eastwood uh, canon and, and yeah. finally got around to escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before oh, Cry Macho God. comes out, he's trying to catch up and see all of them. <laughs> uh, do we think that he thought Alcatraz was something else? Like, do you think that he was trying to confirm a different conspiracy theory, but he just typed Alcatraz by accident? What is similar to Alcatraz? I mean, my only thought was that he was using real in this in the in the way of saying like, oh. wow, yeah, that's real. Like that's like real, you know, well. that's Al- deep, Al- like Alcatraz that's hard, is real like that's whatever. almost funnier. <laughs> like he yeah. just felt like he needed to go on his Instagram like, yo, story and be Alcatraz like, yo, Alcatraz is Alcatraz hard. Is insane, bro. <laughs> I wonder if it could be like a like a like a uh, like a flat like a Kyrie Irving flat earther bit. Where it's like mm, yeah. it's kind of like a winking thing, mm. and if so, it's it's genius. It's like a totally brilliant play on like that kind of uh, goofy uh, dinosaurs uh, aren't real. Sort of yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if that was the case, five podcasters are talking about it eight months later. So he succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I we think should that, reach out. We you should. Guys, you guys should reach out. Uh, we should. It's worth and, a follow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ask him what he meant by that. He wasn't in San Francisco that weekend, was he? Like, was he? Were they playing the the was Did he go on the tour? Did he? Did he like? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you should, Leonis, if you're listening, come on the pod, there's, brother. Yeah, there's some investigative <laughs> journalism that needs to, I will email needs you that Zoom here. link, dude. Um, okay, well, this went as great as I could have imagined. Thank you all so much for coming on. This was so uh, fun. Yeah, yeah Jane, thank you, Lauren, Stephen, so thank much. you so much. Does someone want to do the spiel as to where people can find batting around? Um, that's if they enjoy job. this. Yeah, that's yeah. my job. Uh, I'm the CEO of batting around, so <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, yeah, you can find us uh, on Twitter at batten around. We couldn't get the G. Uh, and from there, you can find... Uh, links to our SoundCloud. You know, you can you can subscribe on all the uh, all the podcast platforms. Just look up batting around. You'll find us. Uh, and uh, when you're on the Twitter, go ahead and uh, look for our Discord link. We have a Discord that's really fun too. Um, it's it's fairly active. People in there talking about baseball or just like whatever other stuff that comes up. We've cultivated a pretty pretty fun little nice community there. So go check out our show. Well, we should have one dropping the day after this show comes out. 
Um, we did an episode last week. Steven wasn't there. It was just me and Lauren, but it was uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's good. It's a fun show. I love also batting about around. baseball. We, I love it. Is my favorite episodes. Yeah, feels like I should we should mention that. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite episodes of batting around are the ones where I'm not on it. So I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, what are what are Jane and Lauren talking about? Yeah. yeah. I love batting around. It is one of my favorite listens every week. If you like this podcast, you will love batting around as well. Uh, Thank you all so much. This was so much fun. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. All right. Thank you to Jane Oss. Thank you to Lauren Walker. Thank you to Stephen Hessen. Go subscribe to Batting Around. It's a wonderful podcast. Uh, I listen to it every week and I enjoy it. Every time, Alex, it is time for the vaunted three up, three down. If you think about it, this was sort of that segment that we just did with Batting Around was a little bit, you know, not that different from three up, three down. A lot right. of those also things just stuff would have come up in three up, or three down. <laughs> <laughs> or probably did come up in three up, three down at some point throughout the season. But, you know, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. It's a chronicling of all of the, the weird, good and bad quirks mm-hmm. in this sport here that we love. Would you like to kick us off? Would you like to start with up? Or would you like to start with down? I want to start with up. And my first up is a little bittersweet because it has been cut short by the the folly of the human body. But it's Wander Franco. The wonderkind down in tampa bay that for all his shine and hype over the last year plus two years i think has gone somewhat underappreciated in the in the broader baseball community in part because he plays for tampa bay and in part because I think he's like so well-rounded a baseball player that there is not necessarily one tool that sticks out, that captures your attention. He's just already a really good baseball player at 20 years old. And he was in the midst of a 39-game on-base streak that was cut short by a hamstring injury that sent him to the I.L., which is a travesty, but again, this is the top player, the, this is the top prospect in baseball who was getting on base at a 350 clip and had hit seven home runs in 62 big league games. And we're not really the podcast that just like rattles off stats for you guys. Give me but the sometimes, woba. Give me the woba. But, some, but sometimes I need that woba. I need that, that ex-woba. That 348 woba, baby. <laughs> I mean, this is a kid who's, once again, 20 years old, who's already hitting 30% better than the rest of the league. And to some extent, I almost feel like we've been conditioned to like expect that because so many of the, the stars that come up today like make a splash uh, when they first make their debut. And yet it still doesn't make it any less incredible that like we are seeing kids who are are already better than like Honus Wagner ever was 
Oh my god. <laughs> like oh. I, I don't know what to say. Like Whoa, you're gonna talk about my family like that? What the hell? Like I'm not gonna be like, all That's right. That's my great great uncle. Wander Franco. Hell yeah. Yeah, he is. Starting that rumor here. Uh no, he's phenomenal. And you're completely right about how desensitized we've become to the fact that these guys just come up at twenty and are wonderful. I feel like Soto Harper too, but Soto especially did so much to desensitize us to that specific fact of these Mm -hmm. guys coming up and being good right away. Franco is unbelievable, dude. Like, he is good at everything that you need to be good at Mm -hmm. on a baseball field. Like, he doesn't strike out. He strikes out at like a 13% rate. In in today's today's game. stat out there, but that is ridiculous. In today's game, when the number one thing that you have to adjust to when you come up is big league put out stuff. So strikeout rate is something that your rookie year is usually your highest strikeout rate ever. Unless you're overhauling your swing or you're changing your approach to try to become more of a power hitter as you age or whatever. Some guys strikeout rate goes up a little bit. But usually for like a top prospect, that rookie year that they first come up, that first 100 games is when they're going to strike out a ton. Yeah, Because you they're just guys, adjusting. They're... Even like Mike Trout, the greatest player of all time, he was yeah, struck out a lot when period. he came up. There's you usually see guys strikeout rate get a get a bump from from what it was in AAA because again like you said they're adjusting. You know whose strikeout rate didn't really go up at all? Yeah, Went up a Wanda percentage Franco. point. Wander Franco. Ridiculous stuff here. And that's just, just statistical noise. I mean that's just that's just the hitter that he is. Um, exactly. Okay, I'm going to go. Yeah, because you could just keep talking about Wander Franco all night. We could be here until this podcast is supposed to be uploaded. <laughs> uh, my first up this week is, uh, weirdly, Alex Bregman. Make it a comeback here. Alex Hell Bregman, yeah. uh, on the day of the Hall of Fame inductions, which saw uh, Marvin Miller, Ted Simmons, Larry Walker, and Derek Teeter get inducted into Cooperstown. On that day, uh, he was wearing a t-shirt that said, Flood the Hall which is a shirt that is uh, produced by a company called 108 Stitches um, in conjunction with the MLB Players Association. Uh, The message Flood the Hall is intended to spread awareness about the fact that Kurt Flood, who we talked about last week on this show, we've talked about many times on this show, is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He is the player who challenged the reserve clause, which led to free agency. Um, Marvin Miller was obviously the union leader who was encouraging and standing alongside Kurt Flood as he did that. But that is a symbiotic relationship that two people needed to be a part of. And as Marvin Miller went into the Hall of Fame, um, it was really upsetting to not see as much shine for Kurt Flood, who is the guy who had to stand up to his employer. You know, Marvin Miller is not standing up to his employer. His employer was the players. And Kurt Flood was ruffling feathers in a locker room and, you know, challenging the person who signs his checks and that was a really hard thing to do at the time specifically for a black player to do at the time um and it in a lot of ways changed the course and trajectory of his career as a player he was a phenomenal player he was a fringe hall of famer guy leading up to that point and you know a lot of people will tell you that what he had to go through to challenge that reserve clause maybe maybe tapered off some of his numbers so that he may not make it into the hall of fame based purely on a statistical case, like a lot of players have to make. But if we treat the Hall of Fame like what I hope that we would treat it as, which is a museum 
that honors the monumental accomplishments throughout the course of baseball history, then I just don't see any way that Kurt Flood can't be in the Hall of Fame. So for Alex Bregman to wear that on that day was really cool to see. Um, June Lee and another one of our listeners pointed out that Shohei Otani was also wearing a Flood the Hall shirt a couple days earlier. So this is clearly something that the players are behind, which is frankly awesome to see because it shows a level of appreciation for the Titans that came before them, not just on a cursory level, because this is a guy who's not in the Hall of Fame and who wasn't being inducted into the Hall of Fame last week, but clearly someone that players have a lot of, rightly have a lot of reverence for. So shout out to Alex Bregman. That was cool. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's a more than tacit endorsement from the Players Association of this sort of thing that they're willing to co-sign this and and say, yes, you know, we as the as the people with whom you need to kind of uh clear all usage of players' names and images and likenesses, et cetera, that yeah, we're okay with this. With you using this platform to advocate for one of the Players Association's most important people over the last half century. And, I mean, you mentioned it on last week's podcast, but it remains a travesty that he's not in there. Um, And It, It remains like an invalidating fact to the entire project of the Hall of Fame that he's not in there. It's not even just a travesty. It's not even just like, Oh, we'll get around to it eventually. It's just like an incomplete endeavor without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea that you can put a, a player's uniform in there from a really good game they had, you know, say the, the cap that a pitcher wore during a perfect game or a glove that they used that mattered a lot to that one player and its fan base, but not have anything in there that commemorates the person that changed the foundation of the, the sports economic landscape. Yeah. Like you said, it, it kind of renders the whole thing a pointless exercise. <laughs> honestly, it yeah. honestly does like congratulations on all of your hits, Derek Jeter, but this is kind of a sham operation we have here. <laughs> um, okay. What's next up for you? Okay. Uh, speaking of Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you heard about this. Yeah, Jeets. He played shortstop for the New York Yankees. Yeah, Jeets. Mm-hmm. And my up is not directly associated with his Hall of Fame induction, but rather has to do with the, the, the quote that Aaron Boone came out with surrounding his induction and his candidacy, which both makes no sense and captures the the entirety of the conversation around Derek Jeter. I'll just read it to you. And this is from the, uh, this is from the New York times. Derek was, I think the most confident player I ever played with the guy who just said, give me the ball. He always wanted the ball and just played the game with a ton of confidence. How come he wasn't a pitcher? So the shortstop who says, give me the ball. When does that happen? <laughs> Out of curiosity, Aaron Boone. Bro, cut That's Aaron Boone a- some slack, man. He's going through a tailspin right now. They asked him for canned-ass quotes. Like, get the fuck out of here. Come on. You're right. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> That's funny, though. But once again, I think that it like it captures the, the energy around the conversation 
about Derek Jeter, which is that like as it doesn't many really have to like make opinions sense. as you can have. Yeah. It's kind of just like he was a baseball's player, baseball players, baseball player. You know? He was, he was a guy, guy he knew who, how to hit. And and honestly, you know what he did every day, Alex? Hmm. He showed up. Yep. You know yeah. what he did every at bat? He took it one pitch at a time. Exactly. He left it all out on the baseball field. You can't deny that when he saw the ball, he hit the ball. Mm-hmm. See the ball hit the ball. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Don't come at me about his, his quote, fielding stats, his quote, range. My next one is also Hall of Fame related. Can you tell that I watched the Hall of Fame induction? <laughs> I did it as kind of an exercise for this podcast. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I was curious how I was going to phrase this one. I still am kind of curious how I'm going to phrase this one in real time as I say it. But it was the general presence of labor at the Hall of Fame induction this year. And in opposition to and clearly making uncomfortable Rob Manfred <laughs> with the way that he was like standing up there. And when he read the plaque for Marvin Miller, the way that he kind of mm-hmm. mealy mouthed said labor leader was really funny to me. Marvin Julian Miller, game changing labor leader with 17 year tenure as executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association. It's not like a big, I don't want to make like a big grandstanding point about how symbolic it is that marvin miller is making it in there because all of that is completely undone by my first up this week what we were talking about with kurt flood right it's a sanitized version of allowing miller into the hall of fame and he said as much before he died he told his family not to allow him to be inducted into the hall of fame right exactly because this is the institution that he was fighting against against. yes exactly. exactly was in opposition to yes um this is like when big corporations like tweet an mlk quote out you know right exactly yeah so this is like the 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 Jabuki tweet where you know he he cosplays as the CIA and then celebrates MLK's like birthday or whatever you know like, that's the greatest tweet of all time um, that lost him his blue check which what a better way to lose I can't think like, of one seriously yeah. labor leader labor leader Marvin Miller okay what's your third up this week my third up this week is a story about Blue Jays pitcher. Hyunjin Ryu, and King, and Korean fried chicken. The Toronto Blue Jays swept the New York Yankees in New York. I heard about that this past week. Yeah. Toronto Blue Jays, off topic, pretty good baseball team. Yeah, they're taking it to the Orioles they this got weekend. A, they really are. It's kind of, it they heard football much. season started and said, we got to match those scores. Remember when we were saying the Orioles were embarrassing and people were mad? Yep. They're embarrassing. Hmm. Yeah, kind of tough. <laughs> Allowing eleven runs in the top then, of the seventh inning in a seven game yeah. du- a seven inning doubleheader. Yeah, that's not. And what then you want. and then and then the next day, allowing like ten runs in the third inning. Guys, it's what are it's, we doing here? People shouldn't have to pay for this. <laughs> it's aside the point. We talked about the Orioles last week. <laughs> nope, thirty minutes on tanking is required right here. This uh, this story actually comes via the the baseball subreddit. And comes via a a user on there who who summarized this this story, and I'll just I'll just read from that. That has become team tradition for Ryu to to order Korean fried chicken for the team whenever the team is on a road trip. 
in New York. It began during quarantine last year when they couldn't like go out to restaurants. And so Ryu's friends friend sent him some Korean fried chicken in the area as like a snack for the team. And everyone on the team just like fucking devoured it. Like loved it. Bro, they know what they're talking about. And they've and they've fallen in love. Like everyone had a piece. They all fell in love for it ever since then. That it's the best Korean fried chicken that they the best fried chicken that they've ever had. And they've deemed Korean fried chicken as the one true KFC. <laughs> we got a name just, of this restaurant? Like, come on, let's give them a plug. I know, bro. right? It's not, it's not there were there were people speculating in the comments of, of what it was. And now I feel like it's kind of we need to make a tipping pitches pilgrimage there. I would um, love to. It's it's usually served at the start of the road trip, but since Ryu started the first game of the series, the team had to wait until the final game of the series had ended. So Ryu then ordered 80 pieces in total in four different flavors delivered right around the time when the game had ended so that it could be served fresh to them. Oh my God. The Jays swept the series and then had a fucking KFC party right afterwards, which is frankly, I think, the best possible way that you could celebrate sweeping the Yankees. I think that I want to be on a major league baseball team this sounds like yeah. a lot of fun <laughs> sounds like i i would be on the toronto blue jays i'm gonna get back on the hill baby let's go is the, is i'm the ramping back up like jacob de being really interested in good food because like i could do that yeah i got spots in new york come on mm-hmm. we lived there for a while <laughs> all right all fun. that to say i i i i love this and i love players bringing like their culture to their team and the team like totally embracing it. So that's really, that's all I'm going to say there. Uh, my final up this week is the Surprise Royals, which is just an objectively hilarious name for a city and a hilarious name to be the prelude to a baseball team. Um, mm-hmm. Surprise Arizona is an actual place. Um, they built housing for their Arizona Rookie League players. They built housing for minor leaguers, Alex. This is it. How hard was that? Not hard at all is the answer. It probably cost them a couple million dollars. Do you know what a couple million dollars is? A fucking rounding error on the budget sheet of a Major League Baseball club. It is so easy to do this. The Royals are proving every year that there is a competitive advantage to treating people like humans. Every, if you talk to players in baseball, they will tell you that the Royals are among the teams who treat their minor leaguers and their major league players, as well as anyone. Dayton Moore has been very outspoken about this. As long as his minor leaguers are not watching pornography, Alex, (laughs) they're welcome (laughs) in the Royal system. Um, I think that this is really cool that they did this. This is obviously not enough. Uh, This is extremely like you just stepped over that twig lying on the ground, but at least they did that. Yeah, I mean, talk about a surprise right all right okay (laughs) sorry (laughs) all right okay uh, all right uh labor leader all right what's down this week for you (laughs) um first down for me this week is the the really interesting story that came by way of a radio interview with hunter renfro yeah this is on my list too yeah and it's kind of a, a a hairy story because obviously there's a lot of denials and competing accounts of how things have played out. But just to summarize things, uh, the the Red Sox have been 
in the midst of this COVID outbreak over the last couple of weeks, they they placed like 11 players on the on the COVID-19 injured list due to contact tracing or positive tests or whatever it might be. Um, and all that to say, Hunter Renfro, Red Sox outfielder, uh, went on a WEEI radio show and was was kind of asked about the the testing process and how the the clubhouse has responded to some of these positive tests. And among other things, Renfro said, quote, MLB basically told us to stop the testing and just treat the symptoms. And we're like, no, we're going to figure out what's going on and keep this thing under control. And one of the hosts said, and one of the co-hosts says, wait, 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 hang on. So Major League Baseball told you to stop testing? And Renfro says, yeah. I have some questions. I have some questions too. And I will just say that almost immediately afterwards, uh, the Red Sox issued a statement that says, we've been closely following MLB's COVID-19 protocols all season long. We've consulted with them on everything we've done, and we, you know, we continue to test according to their guidelines, which is a, a weirdly not blanket denial of what Renfro says. Right. And then, obviously, MLB comes out and says he's wrong about this. He's completely inaccurate. Um, so the jury is out on really what the guidelines have, have been. There's just no reason for Renfro to make this up. So Right, exactly. And the fact that the jury is out on this in general is, is enough a to bad put it on down. thing in, in, in and of itself. So what I think that Renfro was talking about is I think because he says in the interview that Kike was the guy in the most recent outbreak who tested positive first. Kike is vaccinated. And, you know, Renfro is saying... You can't blame Kike. What? How would he know? He's he has very mild symptoms or had no symptoms yet at the time when he was on their charter flight together, um, and then people were testing positive after that. And then he reiterates the fact that there is less testing now. I think that what he's saying is that once you're vaccinated, they have scaled back the testing right. frequency, which makes sense if every single person that you're traveling with is vaccinated, but knowing what we know about the Delta variant and breakthrough cases and the ability mm-hmm. to spread it and other variants and which are popping up now. If you're vaccinated. Right. Right. MLB should have reassessed that decision. That was the right decision at the time to make the testing less frequent to try to motivate people to get vaccinated. That was one of the things that a lot of sports leagues were saying was like, well, you don't have to take as many tests and you don't have to do as many of these protocols. You can go out to dinner, et cetera, et cetera, if you are vaccinated. And even that did not force a lot of dumbass baseball players to get the vaccine. However, I think that MLB has been slow to, like a lot of the country, treat the Delta variant any serious, any more seriously than they when we have been treating the original strain. So that is what I would guess that Hunter Renfro is talking about, in which case... It, it is an exacerbated impact because the Red Sox are one of the teams that are below the 85% threshold. So they should still be testing all of the vaccinated people just as heavily because there are more people at risk in that clubhouse than there are in other clubhouses. Right. Even if you're vaccinated, you can still spread it. So, right. And he talks about how the league suggests that they should just start treating symptoms, which if you're vaccinated... I kind of understand if you're vaccinated and you're around a bunch of other people who are vaccinated, I get it. At that point, you say, what can you really do? You know, we'll isolate ourselves. But at that point, testing everyone maybe doesn't do do a whole lot. 
But if you recognize that there is a difference between being vaccinated and not being vaccinated, and you're setting up different guidelines for them, but allowing them to coexist in the same space, it just kind of seems like you're you're setting up these rules to cover your ass more than you are in order to prevent the spread and the potential harmful impacts of it. It's all a mess, yeah. as it has been since March 2020 with regards to Major League Baseball and with regards to the United States of America. Uh, all right. my That was my on my downs as well. So I'll kick it back to you for your next okay. down this week. Okay. Uh, my next down this week is kind of low-hanging fruit because it was circulated around Twitter this past week. But it doesn't make it less stupid. Um, former Major League pitcher Kyle Farnsworth had a... Uh, had a bad take online. When have you heard of this before, Bobby? A baseball player, a baseball player just tweeting through it. He saw that Aubrey Huff got suspended from Twitter and he was like, I need to grab that mantle. And was like, there's there's a void here that someone <laughs> must fill. He tweeted with zero context. He said, So I just saw that an MLB player didn't play today because of general soreness. Are you kidding me? It's September. Everyone is sore. If you can't play through soreness, you shouldn't be playing this sport. SMH, exclamation mark. Well, people did a little sleuthing and saw that, well, the day that Kyle Farnsworth tweeted this, there was only one player who didn't play due to general soreness. That was Trey Mancini of the Orioles, who I don't know if you recall, but is uh, is recently back from a battle with cancer. And Farnsworth got rightfully dunked on for this by saying, you have no clue what you're talking about. Do you understand what this man has been through? But regardless of who the player was, it's a dumb tweet. It's a dumb tweet if you talk about, if it's about Aaron Judge, if it's about Jacob deGrom, if it's about Kike Hernandez or whoever it is. The idea that just play through it is the correct response to feeling some sort of pain or anything like that is the reason that we have so much of this kind of regressive ideology around baseball in the first place. And the reason that we have a lot of this kind of pernicious uh, discussion about players in broadcast booths, in national baseball columns, like this provides cover for a lot of that, a lot of that narrative. When in reality, we know a lot more about the human body than we did 20, 50, 100 years ago when players were playing through it and potentially doing real long-term harmful effects to their body, right? There are plenty of careers that may have been cut short because you just, you gut it out, right? Oh, you just throw 400 innings and why not? Because your coach just says you should. And it's, it's all, yeah, it's all built on this idea that we've just been playing baseball like this forever. So why don't you just, why don't you just kind of muscle through it when in reality, that's just not, that's not really what science, science kind of says we should do anymore. That's the, that's the biggest thing about this for me. It's obviously insane that he would tweet this about Trey Mancini, but the biggest part of this, the lasting part of this to me is just how misinformed former players can be about current players health and how they treat 
their bodies. Like we have mm-hmm. come so far since even even since Kyle Farnsworth was playing baseball and understanding exactly. recovery, you know, wearable technology that tracks the metrics of your body and how you are recovering from, you know, how well you slept and and your stress and, you know, training and playing and all of these things and we understand more now about how predictive that is for how well you're going to perform in the future. And so if a guy needs to rest because for one one out of 162 games, whether that's in the first quarter of the season or the last quarter of the season, all the games count the same, Mr. Farnsworth. So if you're okay with resting in the first half, you should be okay. But this should have nothing to do with the fact that it's the stretch run, unless it's a very specific instance where a team like needs to pick up a game and feels like they have a really good shot at picking up the game that night. But that's not the case for the Orioles. In case you hadn't noticed, they just lost their 100th game of the season. So it's all really weird. I have to say, I saw Kyle Farnsworth. And in my head, I was like, is that is that a guy on the Reds? <laughs> and I was like, why do I think that's a guy on the Reds? Because I looked up Kyle Farnsworth and I was like, he pitched in 1999. Yeah. I thought that because Kyle Farmer Kyle and Farmer. Tucker Barnhart. <laughs> Kyle Farnsworth is like a whole Farn- mashing Kyle up a Farnhart. bunch. Of, yeah, just mashing up a bunch of consonants in my head. Um, Ky- I, I'm Kyle Carhart. Like. I'm very pleased to have realized that it wasn't a current Reds player criticizing um, recovered cancer patient Trey Mancini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the name Kyle Farnsworth sounds about exactly as what you might think it is. It's like too. creative if you, player. If you, if you peruse through his Twitter feed, I'm like, oh. There's the context that you didn't give us. Okay, my second down this week is, I promise this is the last Hall of Fame related thing that I'm going to bring up. Uh, oh man, you got you got takes. The Marvin Miller induction, um, the person who was speaking on behalf of, on behalf of Marvin Miller, who is obviously no longer with us, was Donald Fear, who, who took over from Miller um, as the executive director of the Players Union. Uh, he talked for a really long time. And my down this week is that the Yankees fans who were there to see Jeter, who was going last, booed him. You gotta let the dude talk as long as he wants. It's a Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, you're watching the fucking Hall of Fame. Like, you drove four hours for this. You can wait 30 minutes. You thought there weren't gonna be a bunch of old guys talking on the stage? Have what, you, did you, what did you sign up for? What baseball have you been watching if you didn't expect a bunch of old white dudes to be on the stage talking longer than they realized that they were talking for like i thought it was lame that they were booing i understand that fierce speech at the end was really kind of tailing off because he was like he would like finish a paragraph and he would take like 10 seconds and then he would just keep going so a lot of people thought that it was ending (laughs) they were booing as he was talking through it and i was like man just really disrespectful i'm usually not one of these like decorum people but like come on right I kind of respect it. I hope it. I hope that was a a purposeful choice on his part to just kind of draw the speech, knowing how many Yankees fans are in the audience to see one guy just being like, you know what, you guys have had it handed to you on a silver platter for the last century and a half. I mean, I would y'all love can, it if it was intentional like wait. that. That's really funny. <laughs> that might be giving him too much credit. I think but, it is. You know, it's my tinfoil hat conspiracy. Okay, we are up to your final down. Okay. Sorry, that I couldn't really come up with a with a third one this week, which is maybe a good sign that it's been a slow week for baseball. No news is good news, right? Um, 
So I'm going to talk about tennis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And there's a loose baseball tie here. And it's mostly that we don't uh, have controversies like this. So the, the U.S. Open came to a conclusion this weekend, ending with a, with a Novak Djokovic loss, which, you know, I suppose that's my fourth up this week. Honestly. Um, truly. It's so we, satisfying to watch that guy lose. We love to see that. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but this, uh, this, this brief aside has, has nothing to do with him. In fact, it has to do with the, the Greek tennis player, Stephanos Tsitsipas, and his bathroom break, which took far too long, according to some tennis players. This is the type of controversy that I wish Major League Baseball would have more of and less of like the, the kind of gatekeeping culture war that it is constantly embroiled in. So the, the, the official rule, according to the, the Grand Slam rulebook, is that a player may request permission to leave the court for a, quote, reasonable time of a toilet break change of a tire break or both but for no i call reason. it toilet like toilet you know with two t's and an e right or like the uh you know the water WC. water closet yeah the break. wc break the the john uh, a a john pause <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know like are we making fun of british people here <laughs> like i'm not really sure i'm making fun of all of europe <laughs> And they get one or two of those, depending on the the, the style of, of play, the, the number of sets you're playing in a given match, whatever. All this to say that uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas took a upwards of eight-minute-long bathroom break in his match against Andy Murray, who took umbrage, you could say, to this uh to this match which Murray ultimately lost uh he said I'm disappointed it's di he said it's just disappointing because I feel it influenced the outcome of the match I'm not necessarily saying that I win that match for sure but it had influence on in what was happening after those breaks the implication being that you know you take a long time you can potentially receive coaching during that period which you're not allowed to do the other player is cooling down right after being warmed up and ready to go. And it was not the first time that he'd pull this either. There have been other players who've said, yeah, what you're doing is, is quite unsportsmanlike. And there was one tennis player who went so far as to say, yeah, I mean, technically the rules are vague, so you can kind of do whatever you want in lower level tournaments. I've seen this sort of thing happen, but you know, at the highest level of play, like it's kind of an unspoken rule against players that you that you don't do this sort of thing. Which, first of all, this is the best uh, unwritten rule I've ever heard. That like <laughs> you know you Pee can't faster. shit you can't <laughs> shit for eight minutes, dude. Push it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you think that's what he was doing? I don't. It feels like I not mean, the right move. Mid no, mid I don't. Match. I think I think you kind of clench at that point. You know. <laughs> Okay. All this to say, I have so I, many thoughts. I mean, I have a I have a lot of thoughts too. But I wish our controversies were this trivial, you know? I mean, baseball has had its fair share of 
potty related incidents, whether it is a player getting stuck in the bathroom, being all the, unable to open the door, <laughs> or one uh, Archie Bradley potentially shitting his pants. Yeah. I think Maybe. he did. I mean, I yeah, think yeah, we think did. he did. I think general consensus is that yeah. is that he did. But this sent the tennis world into a frenzy. I have to say, eight minutes is way shorter than I thought you were going to say. I had not read much about this. I was not watching the match. Bro, I've seen replay reviews take longer than eight minutes. I know. Come right? on. I mean, yeah. I know it's not the same because this is like a very aerobic sport that we're talking about. <laughs> so you can actually cool down. Whereas like the entire thing in baseball is cooling down. Yeah. But Andy Murray, just like walk a couple laps, dude. Keep your heart rate around like 90. You'll be yeah. all right. <laughs> eight minutes? Really? Eight minutes. I know. What did they think well, he was doing? Going back there and shooting HGH? Like, it's fine. I mean, there what was... What coaching are you going to get that's going to change the outcome of the match? That's a big loser energy saying that he thinks he lost this match because of this eight-minute break. Uh, Alexander Zverev, who, uh, was a, who also faced uh, Tsitsipas and, and beat him, ran into the same issue and, and came out and said, he's gone for 10-plus minutes. His dad's texting him on the phone. He comes out. All of a sudden, his tactic has completely changed. It's not just me, but everybody saw it. The whole game plan changes. Either it's a very magical place he goes to, or there's communication <laughs> there. I just, the level of conspiracy theory that has risen around a bathroom break, I don't know what happened back there. You know, maybe you drink too much Gatorade. You, the fluids are going. That's another you, element. You can't of this. stop it. I know that I could never be a professional tennis player because of this rule. I can't mm-hmm. go three hours without peeing. Yeah, and these matches routinely last like seven hours. <laughs> well, no, sometimes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, most of them are like a <laughs> few hours, but right, right, right. Yeah. but the, you know there was a regular there was a, there was a regular old match that lasted like seven hours on the women's side. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like historically long some of these go like 20 hours you know anyway uh you want to you want to bring us home here yeah my final something about baseball my final down this week speaking of flushing queens speaking of the new york mets um my final down this week is actually about the 9-11 game between the yankees and the mets uh obviously it was a really done up game there was a lot of ceremony around it um the mets and the Yankees and Major League Baseball went very far out of their way to make a lot of, I think, meaningful tributes to a lot of the people who were there. And I don't take any umbrage with any of that. Any element of the patriotism that 9-11 might have inspired in people, um, as long as it is not pernicious, I don't take umbrage with. The thing that I'm putting on my down this week is the fact that they made it a Fox game. And this is not like a, oh, boo, Joe Buck, John Smoltz thing. I don't really care that much out of, like, I see a lot of people complaining when the, the their games get moved national and they have to watch Joe Buck parachute in and try to talk about each player or whatever. It just felt like the wrong game to do it for. And I understand why they did it because it had a lot of national appeal and they wanted to get more viewers on it and Fox wanted it. But I think the most authentic emotional response that I have to 9-11 is people who are from New York and people who are in New York at that time. I think that's what makes the Piazza home run such a monumental moment in baseball history. And to take that away from the local booths who 
you know, have been around the New York baseball organizations their entire lives, it felt like the wrong thing to do. It felt like it struck the wrong tone. Joe Buck and John Smoltz are not New Yorkers. Like they're not, you know, they're not from there. They don't understand exactly the, you know, familial and generational impact that that event had on people in the way that the Mets and Yankees booths would. Like, I'm not even saying they did a bad job necessarily, but I just felt like it was the wrong opportunity to take because I think that the Mets booth specifically would have been so much so powerful because those guys have been with the Mets organization for their entire lives, basically. Like, Keith has been a player since 86, Ron has been a player since 86, and Gary has been working within that organization and calling games for such a really, really long time. It felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Um, to have that game on Fox and to kind of nationalize something that was happening in New York and very specifically affected New York in a very powerful way. I felt like we were missing a little bit of specificity in that broadcast. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely evident that they were interested in creating a production around it rather than tapping into some of the very specific human personal emotions and connections that people had with that with that day with that moment and the and the days and weeks and months and and years that that came after that it felt very reflective it felt like what you would expect for a national broadcast to come in on a very important day to a lot of people and say well we're going to do this but we're going to do this kind of in our fashion, right? We're going to add Joe Buck's voice to it, which is very iconic and instantly recognizable and yeah. I you know, I pro- I wouldn't have I wouldn't expect anything less, you know, baseball and its ties to patriotism and its ties to its its reverence for its own history, like I would have been surprised if Joe Buck didn't call that game. No, and, and I think that's Fine. And I don't think right. he did a bad job. And I don't think that they did a bad job with the broadcast. It's not like it was lacking. I don't think it was like lacking, you know, the human element that much either. They talked to a lot of people throughout the broadcast. You know, they talked to a foundation which tries to raise money around this, whatever, even though that guy dropped like 17 Fox News references. That was really weird. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, you know, they talked to Mike Piazza uh, and Joe Torrey. <laughs> it's just. It creates a little bit of like a snow globe element to New York City when you send people in from the outside to talk about how this thing impacted New York. Like Joe Buck went and called an NFL game the next day. But the Mets and Yankees broadcasters live in New York. They called mm-hmm. Mets and Yankees games the next day. This yeah, was a game Mets between the Mets and Yankees. The game the day before the, and the day after. The and two like, teams that were in New York when this happened, that played in New York 10 days later, that had to fear going to an event with 45,000 people after, you know, there was a really huge terrorism scare after that for a really long time that a lot of people still feel. So, I don't know. It just, like I said, it was a lack of specificity that kind of missed the tone for me and it wasn't because of any of the people involved in the production it was because of the choice to make it a national production at all it feels like when you send a national reporter to cover a tragedy in a certain locale when there are already local news reporters there who know the communities much better than anyone from a you know an institution 
in a major city might uh, you know have that sort of specific understanding of the of the landscape. So I definitely hear you on that. Even as someone who did not necessarily experience that moment as a as a Mets fan and did not live in the area at the time and was too young to kind of internalize that. Uh, yeah. It's it's like definitely it's still the kind of thing that you notice uh, watching the the distance between yeah. what they're talking about and the people who are actually talking about it. I just lament the fact that I didn't get to hear Gary Keith and Ron. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I know yeah. that they would have risen to that moment in a way that was that would have had that tone and would have had that specificity that just that by nature of who they are and their lived experiences, Joe Buck and John Smoltz just can't do. Um, though I do think that there was a lot of value in John Smoltz who played in that game that Piazza hit that home run. When they were talking together to each other, I thought that that was a really powerful stuff. But again, it was just lacking that specificity. Okay, Alex, that is it. That's all I got this week. That's all of our ups. That's all of our downs. Thank you so much to the folks from Batting Around. Uh, again, Go find Batting Around where you get podcasts. If you like this podcast, you're going to like that podcast. We've been on there as well. Anything else? Should we remind people of anything? Tipping underscore pitches on Twitter. Tipping pitches pod at gmail.com. Go buy yourself a Unionize the Miners shirt. I got to shout out the Unionize the Miners folks. Thanks to Tyler. Thanks to MLB Respector. That's the at handle. No real name in the bio. Um, however, the display name is Sunday Night Baseball presented by Raytheon. Great work out of you. Uh, thanks to Christopher thank you to Angie uh, that's it this week do you want to leave anybody with words of wisdom no Bobby no words of wisdom but I will appeal to our listeners to leave us some words of wisdom if you have them maybe you've got questions maybe you've got answers I don't know what it is 785-422-5881 is our voicemail line drop us a message We'll, uh, we'll be back with some voicemails next week. So fill that inbox. I want to hear your breath just next to my soul. I want to feel oppressed without any rest. I want to see you sing. I want to see you fight. Because you are the real beauty of human rights. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya. Oh, yeah. Woo. What happened? Yeah. Lindor three run homer. Mm. Oh, that feels good. I thought he was overrated and not worth a $300 million contract.